You're listening to the Rogers Sporting Goods Podcast with Patrick Fisher, Chandler Smith, and Josh from Outdoor Limits. In this podcast, we'll touch on everything from gear to ducks to deer, turkey and fishing. From field to table, let's dive in. Well, if you have, so that's Josh. Hello, Josh. He's our, hey. he's our resident waterfowler. Cool. Waterfowling he's expert. Our, our waterfowling <laughs> man. If it flies, it's in trouble. <laughs> Not this past weekend. No. Did you do any more dove? Did you try to do any more? Yeah, we went teal dove, and dove hunting. hunting. I just couldn't shoot very well. Oh. How about teal, though? Was anything moving? Yeah, we, we shot a bunch of teal. Yeah. Kansas side, or did you get Missouri side? I was in side? Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. That's right. Yep. That's exciting. Yeah. I haven't some hunted like, in Kansas yet. Some, like, walk-in spots? Uh, yeah, a couple of them. Then one, we, one uh, teal hunt, we are on private. A little flooded cornfield in nebraska did you take like the kayak or something or no it's all walk in just walk in yep just old school man yeah a couple spinners a dozen decoys and a sled dang i forgot you were going up there yeah it was good the dub hunting was good too oh really yep up there yeah oh yeah i've so i was i was looking at some of my data and i've shot over a hundred doves so far this season no joke i killed three so more dove poppers more dove poppers i saw a video of a guy who made dove tacos so i think i'm gonna i think it'd be all right he ground the dove meat and he made them into tacos oh really did he cut it with anything no straight dove. just straight dove which i that might be a little bit i would have thrown at least a half a pack of bacon in the grinder with it something just to give it a little bit of fat yeah but yeah i've done that with teal i do teal burgers really but yeah you take your teal you grind it and then you take your bacon you grind it you mix it together and you make burgers little teal patties yeah and then i mix in some roast or smoked jalapenos cut up with some cream cheese and make a little cream cheese spread to go on top of it i could get behind that yeah it's jalapeno popper burger dang that works out pretty good the the teal do the I need, teal patty do i need to make you one of those next week patrick I mean, this is why we talked about we need a Blackstone or we need a, you know, a some sort of kitchen. Yeah. That way we can do this stuff. You're always making me hungry. But, whatever. Hayden, how how was your weekend? Uneventful. Oh, okay. Didn't really do much. Yeah, I didn't either. Watch some foosball. Didn't, didn't dreamt of... Thing deer hunting I'm way behind and we've already started I've seen some big ones get laid down though already yeah me too especially in Kansas I've seen some giants from Kansas get laid down I think the biggest was a customer came in and his buddy had taken I don't know it was like 230 something wow (laughs) it was a beast yeah um but yeah, everybody's out there enjoying the, enjoying the woods. It's all up and rolling. Yeah, or the waterways. Here. Or in this case, what we're going to be talking about is trapping. The trap line. Which honestly, I'm kind of excited about because I want to learn more about it. Yep. And, you know, I'm super novice. I've never really done it. I know a lot of people that have. We've discussed it. I can set a lot of the traps, but that's just because... We sell them. 
Most I've ever done is a live trap for a coon. Yeah. That's put, how I started. Put the whole, put the whole cage out there. A little can of cat food. Yeah. And we have a guy at work that, that's his thing, is like his young boy, like to get him into the outdoors. One of the things is, you know, on their property where they live, behind the house, putting out the live traps to catch a raccoon or whatever, you know, just to kind of get that outdoor enthusiasm going so but yeah i'm super excited about it so um missing chandler today but all the way down the end josh peck from outdoor limits has always is here to bless us with his knowledge um that's why i'm here (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then uh patrick as well and then our guest today is trevor and uh he's with the missouri trappers association um i was doing a bunch of digging yesterday and today and uh so he reached out to us and i'm just super excited because we haven't we've never done a trapping uh podcast so it'll be super exciting learn some new stuff and and talk about it and the correlation of trapping and you know other um you know we had talked about turkey Mm-hmm. that population and you know there's some correlation there with predators and you know um so it'll be super neat um to kind of dive into it but yeah so welcome trevor thanks for having and me. uh he's a local missourian he's a he's a two-day old buckner resident <laughs> so <laughs> he's really he's in the game but um so yeah welcome in we're gonna we're gonna dive into this and um see if you can't teach us a few things so um just kind of take us back like how you got your start really um you know was it something we were talking a little bit you know i mean the the levels of this trapping is just i mean i got some guys that come in you know they're super serious and it's Mm -hmm. like they know everything and they're teaching me you know stuff at the store but kind of how you got your start or what made you want to get into it and um, I've always been interested in the outdoors. As a kid, I, I grew up wrestling. One of the kids I wrestled with, his dad was a diehard trapper. It something about it just sounded cool, so I went out with my dad to a sporting goods store, got a cage trap, and set that in some woods to the side of the neighborhood. Caught first coon, got that tanned. I've still got it. And then every raccoon I caught after that, that kid's dad would buy for me 20 bucks cash on the spot. So, I mean... You know, third grader making twenty dollars a raccoon. That starts. You make sixty bucks. You think you're rich? Dang. Yeah. Twenty dollars a, a raccoon. Okay. And then from there, um, kind of fell out of it a little bit. But then about six, six-ish years ago, you know, it's something that kept my interest. I but I finally had the time and funds to dive in. So I start. One year I just ran some dog proofs on public land set a couple 330s caught a beaver handful of raccoon and then that summer i went to the national trappers association's convention in escanaba michigan watched a bunch of demos spent way more money than i should have and (laughs) i spent that whole october knocking on doors getting land and and yeah i mean from there i was just hooked i started getting into the coyotes really doing well on coon messing around in a little bit of water more catching a few beaver here and there and it's just been i've been running ever since yeah um 
it's gotten to the point now you don't even need to knock on doors. People, once you name spreads word of mouth, people are coming to you. And that's that's an awesome feeling, knowing that you're providing a value to a farmer, to someone else, while also getting to do something that you just are ate up with. Um, actually, I, like he said, I just moved to Buckner, and I've got a farm four minutes from my house now, probably 1,400 acres. So that's going to be awesome because I was living in the city. I, that's going to cut down miles on the truck significantly. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and it opens a lot of doors. I mean, from there, well, how about this? I'll take care of your coyotes. You let me put a, d- a tree stand out. Or, you know, that pond's full of mallards. I'll get rid of your raccoon and I'll get rid of this badger. You let me have at those mallards. It opens a lot of doors from there. And then on top of that, once I started getting involved in the state trapping association, met a lot of great people. Um, first time I ever came around, I knew it was something I wanted to be a part of. A couple years later, I got district director. And we just hosted this state convention this past weekend. Went excellent. We had over 500 through the gate. So, yeah, we're just going to keep this thing rolling. Yeah, and I guess I never thought of uh, uh, that's a good way to – we always talk about how difficult it's been, Josh, nowadays to get access, you know. Mm-hmm. It's less prevalent to knock on a door and get access, you know, because these leases are going for so much money. But um, trapping, that's a good bridge to uh, – you know, you're offering a service, especially if it's a farmer or a guy that's got chickens on his farm, you know, or whatever. You're providing a service to them. Hey, maybe they let you hunt some. You yeah, know? and especially, you know, you get your your foot in the door through trapping. You show them you're going to be respectful of their land. You're going to abide by any rules they have set forth. You know, you represent yourself well. And they'll say, oh, you know, this guy's been good to me this past year. He's not going to mess anything up if I let him shoot a deer or two or you know, get after some honkers or do whatever. Yeah, I saw that on the MTA uh, webpage where it says need a trapper. Mm -hmm. So like people will reach out to you or they'll, you know, there's like a list of all these names. So, you know, if people have problems, they can just reach out to you all and and you'll send someone out to, to see if you can't help with the problem. Oh, yeah. Um, nowadays, there's a lot more bounty work going on because the fur market's so low. Like, if we're not getting any return, we need to charge, and it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one guy in my district that does a lot. He lives out near Swan Lake, and he does n- nothing but nuisance beaver jobs on, on duck clubs out there. So he's allegedly retired, but... He's working all summer long, you know, keeping those pumps clear and free. Right. Yeah, when it comes to waterfowl, Josh, we were... Well, do you remember when we had... Uh, um, who was it? Jeff Wadden? When they were doing the... Um, banding the mallards and stuff, and he was talking about on the trail cams, they had the raccoons I don't think I was here for that trap. one. Oh, my gosh. It was am I correct on I that? Think it was, yeah. Remember, so they would like they would ban their mallards or whatever they were doing, and uh, the problem at predators, right? So the raccoons would swim in to the traps. You know, it's like a big giant live trap, 
there's not really a roof on it, but it keeps the mallards mm-hmm. so they can ban them. And raccoons that go in there and just just try to get after these mallards. But yeah, that like with the waterfowl population, I'm sure. Do you see a um, like do do well, I'm sure beavers, right? Because they're causing mm. problems around waterways and stuff like that. Muskrats will do some serious damage to a levee, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, or the nests. Yeah, Delta Waterfowl right now is actually really pushing for predator management because, of, like, the pintail population, what it is. Um, I mean, for us to keep the current level of waterfowl we have right now, we need at least, I think it's at least a 15% success rate on our nests, and we're averaging far below that. Really? Yeah, and it's even worse on turkey. I mean, I saw it firsthand this year, found found a hen on a nest opening day. Two days later, hens tore up, all the eggshells are scattered everywhere. I mean, bobcats do a number on them, raccoon obviously, possum, skunk, they're, they just tear any, any sort of nesting bird, they're gonna have a huge impact on. And you're seeing more, they're just raiding the nest. They might not even eat them. Are they just tearing up the... No, they're, they're, they're eating those eggs. Everything. Mm-hmm. They're eating those eggs, and, you know, a lot of time, a lot of time they're going after the hen on the nest, too. Gotcha. And what are you, what's the number one predator you're seeing for that? Raccoon. Raccoon, yeah. Their population's just been skyrocketing. And, I mean... Yeah. One, it's, it's awful for their prey species, and then, two... If that population gets out of hand, you know, Mother Nature has ways of dealing with it, and they're not, they're more cruel than we could ever imagine. Starvation, disease, like, the rates of distemper through raccoon right now are, like, never before, and it's just because there's so many of them. Right. And they get out, yeah, it just gets out of control. I mean, the raccoons, like, I'll have on trail camera... And all of a sudden, there'd be like 30 raccoons in an area around my, you know, feed spot or whatever. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is like they send out a raccoon call and everyone in the county shows up. Yeah, their populations are crazy. And do they are they breeding more than once a year? Just 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 once a year. Okay. But I mean, they're still having good sized litters. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so many of them, so it just keeps, it's just like. Yeah, it just compounds itself. Yeah, yeah. What's their, what preys on the raccoons? Owls? Um, I mean. <laughs> Little kit, baby raccoons. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> kit raccoons have some predators. Once you get a big adult boar, they might get into a fight with a coyote from time to time. But realistically, if it's not us, they're, like, they might have their, a run-in with this, that, or the other, but nothing majorly is preying on them. Right, that's what I was kind of... That's what I was thinking is, you know, one of the things you all talk about and just the the regulations of trapping and why we need it, and, um, you know, it's not like... It's a renewable resource. Oh, 100%. And these raccoons aren't going anywhere. I mean, you could... We almost... You need more trappers. Oh, yeah, our... We need more and more than ever. Um, I mean, and a quick touch base on what you just said about fur being a renewable resource. It's as green as you can get. A lot of your synthetics, I mean, that's just microplastics. That's that's never going away. It's 
I mean, you're using a petroleum-based product that's not going to go away, whereas fur, it's it's natural, it's renewable. There's nothing better than it. Like if you're making a fur hat or coats or garments, mm-hmm. natural would be the way to go because it is renewable. You're not depleting a resource yeah. to make a synthetic, fake-looking fur jacket or whatever. Yeah, right now, actually, hats, um, beaver felt is doing really beavers are doing really well a lot of people say it's because of yellowstone but a lot of those stetsons one are made out of beaver oh really Mm -hmm. so that's actually helped us out a little bit with that price um years years ago canada goose parkas they were using real coyote trim on their hoods and that really supported the coyote market but the antis got to them and now they're only using recycled fur they're no longer using new fur and that's on the coyote market plummeting. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things a lot of people talk about is there are less people trapping because the value of a pelt has plummeted. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's no money in it to to go trap and you're not getting what you used to. So do people just get away from it? Yeah. Um, I mean... It was before my time, but people talk about the fur boom during the 70s, 80s, when, I mean, people are buying brand new trucks on fur money. Yeah, so you're not you're not seeing that anymore. But, I mean, you know, you go out and you kill a big booner buck, how much money are you getting back on that? Right. You're not getting... No. You know, and in it, fact, if, you might spend even more because you take yeah, the processor. 100%. Yeah. 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 But, and I, I mean... And especially these guys that have, you know, these big leases and whatnot, all the money they're putting into their food plots, you know, this, that, and the other, their high-dollar deer blinds they've got out, you ought to spend some time, if not you, then hiring someone else out to manage that for predators. Like, the number of fawns that get taken every year by coyote and bobcat, it's more than you'd believe. Mm-hmm. Your turkey poults, they're, they're easy pickings. Then... Like I said earlier, those birds on the nest, before before those eggs even hatch, they're statistically not going to make it. That was one of the things we talked about with the turkey biologist mm-hmm. is the not only predators, so the area, I've, gosh dang, I can't remember the... The, the type of environment that they That need. they're living in, that yeah. they need to nest in mm-hmm. is shrinking, which in correlation then makes it a lot easier for predators to find the turkey nest because it's a shrunken down living habitat where they're nesting and so it's just like prime time for predators to find these turkey nests because there's the environment that they need they're not a spread out so yeah you see that's a big contributor to pintail numbers right now i think it was i think it was ducks not delta that did a big piece on it the habitat they need is non-existent mainly due to you know changing agricultural practices and then on top you combine that with more predator numbers than ever i mean it's a recipe for disaster yeah what was josh have you seen the numbers this wasn't some ducks down yeah there's quite a few that were down this year mallards are down redheads are down teal are down pretty much everything is down long term yeah pintails for are up over last year which and that's not, I mean, that's a, 
there's a lot of factors that go into those numbers. Yeah, it's not that, just that's, predators, but yeah, and that's just a breeding count. It's not counting the poults or the the ducklings from this year. It's not counting the hatch. So it was just breeding adults. Gotcha. Huh. So there could be a lot more ducks right now, but we just don't so have it could a count. depend on you know weather, mm-hmm. um, net, net success. Yeah, predators. Yep. Which predator? I feel like to me, I mean the growing of predators mm-hmm. raccoon population's got to be higher than ever it probably gets higher every year oh yeah i feel like uh coyotes i feel like are higher than ever i don't know the exact numbers i suppose you'd you'd probably know i mean the populations of these predators are they more than ever in each category yeah i was reading something last week about coyote numbers it had it broken down per state and it, both kansas and missouri it just said thriving yeah, that's that's like, all it says. You know what? <laughs> yeah. It's thriving. We're good. Yeah, it's like it's incomprehensible. And then yeah, go ahead. Oh, I saw one in my neighborhood. It's right. Like, yeah. Oh. And but they're, then they're then, becoming a problem even in like suburban areas. Yeah. They've got them on Navy Pier in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're <laughs> they're just getting well, bolder and bolder and then mascot. people <laughs> people wonder why there's they're having more and more conflict. Like even in suburbia, the the nuisance guys that are working out there, they're getting more raccoon out of attic than ever. They're having more people have fox in their backyard going after their backyard pet chickens. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just there's so many of them with nowhere to go. They have no choice but to encroach on you know what traditionally they wouldn't live in. Yeah, we had a fox living in our storm drain a couple of years ago. That was kind of fun to watch him. He yeah. jumped over a six foot fence in one leap. Oh, yeah, like nothing to it. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you do see... It, this wasn't a coyote or something, but... I um, I don't know if someone brought up disease, but... Oh, you were talking about distemper, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but you start seeing... I had a raccoon in my driveway, and I could tell it had... Walking in circles. Something. Yeah, it was... You know what I mean? So I called animal control i didn't know mm-hmm. who to call they won't do anything about it because it's like it's just in my driveway so i'm like okay but you talk about the disease you talk about the need for trapping um even in um town around someone's house because if you have pets you don't want that spreading to your yeah, disease. Disease. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the spreading of disease Especially into your in, dogs yeah, or and, and coyotes and fox manges awful, and that's super super contagious. Yeah. And then, and that, I mean, on top of that, if you have a house cat, that coyote wants to eat it. Uh, yeah. And my neighbors have a chicken coop in town. Yep. Right behind my in. fence. Coyotes also like the little fluffy dogs. Yep. Uh, yeah. Oh, they'll. I have that. For, they're like a little Slim Jim, <laughs> a little snack, yeah, yeah. A little, little little appetizer. So, is is there a, a growing interest in trapping? Is it kind of making a resurgence or? Yes, um, the you're not seeing the fur trappers anymore. Mm-hmm. What you're seeing now is honestly, guys our age that have their leases that have this, that, or the other, and are doing it strictly for predator management. And the money side, it's the same thing. You used to have people making living off of 
off of that. Now they're making their living off of depredation issues. I gotcha. Like uh, down in Texas, it's huge with those exotics. Mm -hmm. People come from, I know a few big name trappers from Michigan, uh, South Dakota, Iowa, that go down there just to do depredation work. Hmm. And those guys were traditionally, you know, they were fur trappers, but now it's gone away from that. So they had to adjust with with the market and now they're just doing all that depredation work and when you're saying that so instead of trapping they're just out there they're getting know, they're getting paid shooting. for a service instead of a product <clears throat> yes exactly yes i mean if you're a big cattle rancher or if you've got a big high fence operation in texas you have a coyote that gets in um lisa Rusat from south dakota talks about how he used to go from or he went from trying to put up the most coyotes he could so now he's after that one coyote. Hmm. Really? And yeah, that that's what it shifted to. I've seen like these. Was it last? It might have been this year, but these raccoon roundups and these coyote roundups, and there's just piles of them. And they're not trapping. They're they're going out there and hey, we need to take mm-hmm. a lot of these. And it still doesn't. I mean, yeah, it hurts the population in that instance, but it really overall. <clears throat> it's not hurting this renewable resource. No. And that's why we have these regulations, which we always joke, Josh, right? Yep. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Make sure make sure you read your... Uh, check with your local check, game and fish. Local game and fish <laughs> regulations. But, um, <clears throat> well, I was reading them about the trapping, because I don't... Since I don't trap, it's not like I read up on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the same... Uh, like your duck regulations, what you can shoot one year to the next. But I was reading the trapping regulations, and even I was learning a little bit. I mean, there's definitely, you know, if you want to get into trapping, check those over because there are different, you know, you can't put some traps here. you got to mm-hmm. use them here. You can't have like a, a snare. Yeah, yeah it, what's the one yeah. you, that has to go underwater? Is it a snare? In Missouri, it's a snare. We, yeah. We do have... Um, non-lethal snares which are referred to as cable restraints um mm-hmm. you can't use entanglement so you can't have them around rooted woody vegetation is the wording that mdc uses um i mean you catch somebody's house dog they get wrapped around that's right gonna be bad news bears yeah then you're the type of body gripping traps like we were talking about 330s for beaver earlier yeah. you mm-hmm. can't be using 330s on dry ground yeah, you you know, don't. some guy running a beagle <laughs> yeah well even a little kid walking around the neighborhood i mean i've seen the 330 when we test them out mm-hmm. at the store just so we know how to use them someone gets their arm in there it's not gonna feel good no, yeah you don't want the neighbors time. a neighbor's dachshund running through your 330 uh that dachshund's no longer. Yeah, and that that's a big part. Like, if you want trapping to be around, if you want to utilize this tool, if you want to utilize this hobby, whatever it may be to you, you have to be responsible. You can't right. You can't just go throwing everything out there thinking, you know, just got your f- backyard loaded with conibears and yeah. foot traps and got a story yeah. about that. Duh. Like <laughs> you know, what I mean? but but you make a good point. Like it's with anything. Um, even though I don't trap, like just the respectfulness and following those rules and regulations and and for decades to come. So the next generation and the generation after that are able to go trap. Yeah, if um, you if you want to give it a black eye, I mean, 
do something unethical, go trespass on somebody's land. I mean, it's it's like any sort of hunting. It's any, right. or outdoor activity. Yeah. If you want to be sure a farmer never lets someone fish that pond again, go sure. fish it without permission. And that's why those happen. Yep. Um, it's because you, you gave a black eye, so now the next 20 people that ever wanted to ask so-and-so, can I fish in your pond? Nope, because the one person outfished it and took every fish out mm -hmm. of there or trapping or whatever you want to, you know. Yeah, for sure. What was the, what were you going to say, though? Oh, my story? Yeah. We want to get into this? No, we don't have to. No. I might but incriminate tell us, myself. But tell us, no, tell us after, though. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a good story. But, yeah, there's. I was just looking. And the 330s have to be underwater, too. Yep, and up to the, 220s. Yep. Um, you're only allowed... What's that small Five one? and a half the inch. The 110. Those can be set on dry land. And is that because people use those more for, like, squirrels or... Those are more commonly used for muskrat. Okay. Um, mink as well. Um, if you're going to be doing dry land trapping with with conibears, body gripping traps in Missouri, odds are it's going to be raccoon. Um, all right. Other states will have larger traps that you can use for bobcat. Um, the traps that we allow, we allow here aren't very conducive to it, though. What about bucket sets? Um, buddy of mine just said the other day that is the worst thing that has ever happened to trapping. Really? Um, I mean, it's just other states, they have regulations where, you know, you have to have half a lid on there, things like that. I mean, a, a beagle smells that can of sardines, he's going to get in. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to do anyone any favors. Like, I, I own a beagle, and I know if... If something like that happened to him, I would not be pleased about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think our number one, well, it's probably number one everywhere, but it's the dog-proof mm -hmm. traps, which they sell a bunch of different ones. Um, I think we sell three or four different options at the store. We've got, like, a coated one already. Um, it's almost like a powder coat finish. Mm -hmm. And then there's just your normal basic you know metal one and then we have the metal one that i was telling you about people love it's got like the plate on it on the springs because it's a quick set dog yeah. proof and it's really it doesn't take much strength at all because some of those i was telling him <laughs> like i don't know how you squeeze those things yeah they are yeah dog proofs are an incredible tool they're super fast to put out they're super productive they're easy you don't need to like if you're making a dirt hole set for coyote, there's so much nuance to it. Little things you can do right, wrong, or the other. Mm -hmm. With a dog proof, you stake it down, stick it in the ground, and pour whatever you want in there. You can put yeah. marshmallow, I mean, dog food. You can put whatever you want in there. And it, if you're on on the right location, it's going to produce. He's going weak. Trevor's weekly uh, run to Dollar General to grab his bag of marshmallows. You're <laughs> like, oh, Trevor's back. Yep. Yeah, we're on a first-name basis. <laughs> We got your marshmallows. <laughs> you know what you need? You need the expired ones. You just go there and be like, hey, when you guys have these and you're going to throw them away, let me know. I'll come in and get your bag of yeah, expired I, marshmallows. I start my season. I just go to Tractor Supply and find the cheapest bag of dog food or cat food that they have, and I'll just yeah. run that. And get 1,000 pounds of Old Roy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if somebody has experience hunting or fishing and they just don't know anything about trapping, they don't know anybody who traps what are some resources or ways to go about learning how to trap 
Um, your first step should be your, your state association. Um, every, pretty much every state has one. Around here in the Midwest, there's some really active associations that have plenty of people more than happy to help you. Obviously, Missouri. Um, Iowa has a great association. Kansas has some pretty good guys. Even Illinois has really solid guys running it. Um, reach out to your association. A lot of times you're we're putting on clinics, and even if we're not, if it's mid-season, like I've always got an open spot in my truck for anyone to jump in, and I'll you know spend a whole day showing them what I do, how I do it, why I do it. Um, like last year, we actually hosted a clinic at Habitat Flats. Tony let us use the facility, and it was we had around 30 people attend all ages. I mean, everyone from three-year-olds up to I mean, 68, 70-year-old retirees. And they traditionally used to be youth trapping clinics, but we've opened it up to beginner trapping clinics. Um, if you can find one of those near you, a lot of times you're being fed, sometimes you're getting put up. And like I said, we were at Habitat Flat, so. Yeah. That'd be a neat yeah, place to go. Very nice amenities. And we had some of the best trappers in the state there instructing students. We're actually probably gonna be doing that again in March of this of 2024 hopefully do um, another like seminar mm -hmm. there is a clinic i believe in two weeks um hosted by district two which is or maybe it's district one i forget but that's going to be williamsburg so pretty much just east on 70 past columbia a little ways okay um district five which is down the southwest corner is going to be hosting one in december i believe there's a there's a few clinics are all on our website missouritrappers.com um but yeah if there's not a clinic near you if you're in missouri just find your district director we have nine districts we each have give or take 10 12 counties that we're we're over and if we can't take you out, I guarantee we'll find someone who will, somebody who will go out with you if you've got a chunk of property you're wondering how to manage, how to trap, do whatever. Um, I mean, it's an incredible resource. Yeah, because like as somebody who's wanting to get into it, there's a lot of nuances to it. Mm -hmm. you got to know where to put your trap, how to set it, what you're looking for in an area. Like there's a, there's a lot more than just going out in the woods with six traps and putting them on the ground. Oh, yeah, there, there's a lot more. And it can seem very intimidating but if you get somebody to really lessen that learning curve for you, it goes a long way. Then on top of that, there's conventions every year. Like I said, we just had ours this past weekend. And all weekend, we have guys giving demos on how they trap beaver, how they trap bobcat, how they handle their fur even. We had a fellow, Matt Burson, who did raccoon and bobcat fur handling demos there. And he did everything from skinning to scraping and drying. I mean, everything. So if you can make your way to a convention, I'd strongly encourage it. Um, this past year, I drove solo up to Escanaba, Michigan again, and just past Madison, Wisconsin, to go to the two big National Trappers Association and Fur Takers of America rendezvous. And it it is so worth it. Learning new techniques. or I was looking at pictures of it must have been a seminar mm -hmm. and uh, – it looks like real life yeah it's not just like here's the trap as how you do it like it looks like you're out in nature the way they have it set up it's hmm. like a fake nature yeah some, scene. some of those demo areas they make are pretty intricate yeah they got it looks like a like if you're gonna set a water trap like they got a little water area and some brush and so they it looks do like all one of those displays in a museum it's like a legit Somewhat, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I was like, wow. I think the one I saw, I don't know if it looked like it was in an arena, you know, or something like a mm-hmm. horse arena or something. Yeah. So there's, there's, sounds like there's a bunch of different resources that somebody can go to and learn how to yeah, trap. Yeah, there's a ton. And I mean, if you reach out, somebody will take care of you. Like I said, if I'm too busy, then I know this guy who will be more than happy to join you or take you out, or this guy will be able to. There's people, I mean, because our numbers aren't what they used to be, we're more ready than ever to share our knowledge share, and get people involved in the hobby, the lifestyle, the sport, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, it, it would just be detrimental to see trapping just peter to nothing, you know? Yeah, I mean, from a few different standpoints, whether it's just our heritage, our traditions, mm-hmm. or even even wildlife management. I mean, fur bears of Amer- or fur takers of America, excuse me, their motto is the cruelest thing we can do to wildlife is to fail to manage it, and that's so true. And from both the raccoon standpoint or the turkey, the pintail, whatever, it's it's absolutely essential that us as sportsmen do our part and do more than just you know take our take our buck get our limit of honkers whatever and call it a day yeah there was one um was it montgomery you got they do auctions montgomery city yeah Mm -hmm. so you can you know if you're into trapping or maybe you're listening and you're like oh i trap and you know i i got pelts or whatever and but there's a there's auctions that yep. every February, people can go to. Yeah, every February we put on a fur auction. Um, there are a few county buyers out there that are left. Um, there are still avenues, there are still markets for your fur. If anyone says that's absolutely worthless, they're not working hard enough to market their product. I mean, it's not what it used to be. I mean, that's just a fact. But there are still avenues for you to sell that fur. Okay. That's good to know. Because typically what you, you know... The value seems like it's not as high, but you just feel like there's just nowhere to sell. But obviously there is. Mm-hmm. There's places you can sell and and uh, go to these auctions and and do stuff like that. Yeah, so. last year our state auction actually had some pretty hot, decent averages. Um, Bobcat did really well. Beaver did really well. Otter did really well. So, I mean, like what I'm setting for this winter – I might chase the market a little bit, but at the end of the day, I just, I'm ate up with it. I love it. I'm going to be trapping coyotes. Like, the guy I used to sell to, he won't buy them anymore, but I'm still going after them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. You need to tell him to get on board yeah. right now. What is, let's say somebody works full-time mm-hmm. and they want to get into trapping. What is, like, they can only go out on Saturday and Sunday to run a trap line what does that look like well i work retail and you know november in the retail world gets pretty crazy i'm salaried so i'm working 50 plus hours a week and i mm-hmm. still man i'm not setting any records but i do pretty well um for me it's having just having the drive to to get out there and get after it um i've got a buddy who is a firefighter he works you know 24 to 48 hours at a time so legally ethically morally he can't have lines set mm-hmm. um while he's working because you know you have to check daily so for him he's he sent his traps off when he's going in and then if he's working overtime on a 48-hour shift once he gets out like 
if he's been awake for 48 hours straight, he might need to hit the hay for a while. But mm-hmm. as soon as he's able to, he's getting it set. And there's a million different tools. Like for him, a great a great tool is cable restraints because you're not digging in the ground. You're not leaving as much scent. When you know you can't check that, you set that cable restraint on the ground, it's not going to catch anything. Um, but he still does run some footholds. That's what he likes to do. But I mean, you got you got to look at your situation. Everyone's situation is different. Like the guy who's retired and has nothing but time on his hands, he's going to be sent a lot a lot more steel in the ground. Whereas the guy who has no choice but to pull or just run a weekend at a time, he has to kind of look at his situation and realize what tools are available to him and what's going to be most conducive to the goals that he has set for himself. And if you don't. You know, if you don't know, that's when, once again, you reach out to your state association, find a mentor, find somebody to, if I was in your shoes, here's what I would do. But, I mean, I, I've i caught over 100 coon a year working 50, 60 hours a week. It's And and on top of that, I skin them all, put them all up. Not a lot of sleep involved, but it is very doable. And one of the things... Um so whether it's a dog proof, a cona bear, a live cage, those have to be checked within 24 hours. Um, or with, with the exception of of killing type traps. So if you have a cona bear set underwater, you don't need to check. You can check that every 48. Okay. Um, if you have like a a beaver drowning setup, that can be checked every 48. Okay. Um, but if you're setting cable restraints for coyotes, if you're setting mm-hmm. footholds for bobcat, dog proofs, raccoon, those have to be checked daily. Gotcha. Yep. One interesting thing, so and these can be found on the Missouri Trappers uh, website, but I was going through. So uh, one, it, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you'll have to check out if anybody's got time. So you'll have to check out the. Uh, um, it was the interaction between the Humane Society of the United States and then the factual rebuttals. There's some good ones in there. I, I mean, we get it. Like one that I highlighted, like uh, which we just talked about, uh, the HSUS statement was trapped animals can suffer from thirst and starvation. They may die as a result of exposure to the elements or predation. And so that's why we have you know the dnr sets these regulations we just talked about mm-hmm. that 24 hours you're checking them so often that's why you do that you check him every day that yeah way. a lot a lot of those claims are made from unethical and or if not illegal trappers right um yeah. i mean if aside from legality there's just a moral ethical obligation to do your part it's it's simple as that if you're not going to if you're not going to do it the right way, then don't do it at all because you're just hurting everyone that is willing to put in the work, the time, the money to do it the correct way. Mm-hmm. And one thing you brought up, and I'll reiterate it, obviously as a natural resource, but using, you know, um, like hats or jackets, things like that, and you talked about that, like there's just nothing wasted in the production of those. Um, of course, I'm reiterating what's on there, but, you know, you can make fertilizer, medicines, um, all these other biodegradable products versus like synthetic, um, 
where you're using you know the oil and other non-renewable resources so that's a great um, thing to think about mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, why trapping is is beneficial yeah, and there's markets like some people you know, they'll they'll kind of look at it a little like wearily because they're, they're thinking oh you're just getting the animal and tossing the rest that's not true there's markets for everything i mean the skulls go for a lot if you're willing to you know get some beetles and degrease some skulls oh, yeah that's a great market and they look um, super awesome yeah yeah I mean, <laughs> even if you've never caught a coyote having that coyote skull on, on the shelf oh, looks pretty yeah. cool add that to um, the man cave yeah. raccoon baculums you can sell those all day long yeah <laughs> beaver caster oh yeah casters casters a hot commodity that's actually um approved for use as a vanilla flavorant mm -hmm. what yeah um <laughs> beavers have a, a caster gland right and it's what they use to mark their territory okay and that can be used it's used in a lot of perfumes as a skunk essence small amount of skunk essence carries that smell so well that's used in perfumes but yeah beaver essence or beaver caster is also legally authorized for use as a vanilla flavorant there's a company i believe they're on the east coast that has a caster a caster flavored whiskey Dang. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck oh my gosh you ever done the skunk stuff oh yeah i love i love catching skunks oh yeah i've got i've got a hay barn that's good for at least four a year catching skunks so if you want to take the essence out of a skunk how do you go about doing that a syringe you go to your tractor supply the exact size syringe escapes me at the moment but you use a syringe in a glass bottle use a rubber stopper because it'll eat through a metal lid um and yeah skunk essence that has a good market and on top of that skunk fur is very stable and a lot of that's because they're using a lot of novelty items as opposed to actual garment industry hmm. but if you get a good striped skunk um i've actually started selling them to a craft maker and that's been a good market for me. Nice. One thing also that I wanted to bring up is, <clears throat> you know, people might talk about um, over trapping, um, you know, not knowing maybe if animals are endangered or not. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. My um, no fur bearing animals in the United States or Canada are endangered or threatened by fur harvesting yeah so. none. <clears throat> like people might just think, so. like in missouri there's no limit on number of bobcats and people who just don't know might think well i've never seen a bobcat before well think if you go to a buddy's house who has a shy house cat you're not going to see the cat they're just, that's just their right. nature mm -hmm. they don't want to be seen they make sure they're not but there's still yeah plenty out there that's why they're really good hunters Yes. Can you trap a mountain lion in Missouri? Not in Missouri. There's not. You might from time to time get one that happens to pass through, but there's not really a population of them. Um, you can in Texas, though. Hmm. They're actually considered a varmint in Texas. So you can trap them? Mm-hmm. What's that look like? One of them big old bear traps? Man, they used to trap bears. Yeah. In, or maybe they still do. I don't Maine, even know. In Maine, you can uh, use a foot snare on a bear, which is essentially kind of like they put a pipe in the ground put some bait in the bottom and they reach in it's like a dog proof for a bear 
but huh. you can still do that in Maine. Can you imagine rolling up on that and having a pissed off bear waiting for you? <laughs> yeah, like, I've, I've seen pictures. They, they tear everything and anything around them up. It's, yeah. That, that's on the bucket list. These do used to have those. It's like, uh, what am I thinking? Coil spring traps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for the, like the bears. big bear traps yeah, in the, the cartoons. Springs. Yeah, but they don't do those anymore, right? No, those are actually they're illegal to have. I think not. You... Not to have. They have a good uh, a good market like for as a collector's item. So I mean, you put one of do those. Do the teeth up. have to be shaved down though, or whatever? Um, not if, in Missouri. You're not most states. You're not allowed to use tooth traps. There's a few where you can under ice, but no one really does. Gotcha. But like, if you have it, just like. On the wall in the man cave. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people. You know, you see them. Yeah, it looks sweet. Yeah. Hanging up there. It's a conversation piece. My uncle's got one because he, he trapped in uh, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, old-time trap, you know, trapping wolves. and. But I'm like, he's had one. Thing's giant. Well, yeah, to handle big old black bear. <laughs> like, <laughs> you better have some hardware. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's a question I've got. You're not using killing traps, so oftentimes you're rolling up and the animal's still alive. Mm-hmm. What do you use to dispatch that animal? Um, a lot of guys use 22. A lot of guys use an air rifle. Um, there's a few different techniques. Um, if you're, especially if you're new to it, I would strongly advise against headshots. It can get pretty messy um if you're gonna if you're gonna use an air rifle a 22 whatever go for the lung or the heart gotcha yeah because i'm probably and some people just want to relocate them mm-hmm. some people trap to relocate them that's in my opinion that's very unethical. maybe like around the house or in, something you know you in might. a lot of states it's actually illegal um i mean and if you do that honestly, you're just making your problem somebody else's. Yeah. It's not yeah. it's it's not fair to the animal. It's pretty cruel. Like a lot of times, the species that or the population that you're bringing them to won't take too kindly to them. Mm. Honestly, the most it sounds counterintuitive, but the most ethical thing to do if you have an issue is is to put the animal down. Gotcha. That makes sense. Cause, yeah, I guess I never thought of it like that. It's interesting. Well, and then disease Because people spreading put too. out a live cage. Mm-hmm. You know, they got a raccoon. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I'm going to go take it somewhere. Yeah. I, I that's a, how a lot of disease spreads. That's why in a lot of places but, it's illegal. But they also so. have, like, their societies and their, mm-hmm. you know. The so pecking order. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're taking some animal that lived in this area around his buddies and whoever, and you're taking them somewhere else. And it could Who spread knows? disease, right? Yeah, big yeah. time. I had a I had a run in with a nuisance critter the other day. Oh, did you? I think it was Monday. Yeah, I was going to put some stuff away in a cabinet in my backyard, like on our patio. We have some mm-hmm. cabinets. I open the door. I'm greeted by a nice snake. <laughs> yeah, his head's poking out, looking at me. I'm like, oh, jeez. He didn't look that big until I got him out. Yeah, and it was huge. Yeah. They scurried underneath there. I'm like, oh dang it! Yeah. So I'm pulling this cabinet away, trying to find him. He wasn't underneath there, so I go to the next one, start pulling all my bags of Traeger pellets out, and he's hiding underneath all my Traeger pellets. You ever seen them? They get caught in the uh, 
like a lot of they'll put down like the sticky traps for mice uh-huh. or whatever yeah and a snake will they get stuck they do yeah yep that's weird yeah no, pulled up on one of them once scared the <laughs> crap out of me i gave the snake a fair chance to leave and he was not wanting to leave and he didn't want to leave no nope. <laughs> okay um i wanted to go over a few things so one we talked about um Obviously, I encourage everybody to visit the Missouri Trapper Association website, and you can find also, like you were talking about, if you need a trapper, we were talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they got a whole list, um, all the districts and different contacts and, you know, keeping up with clinics and things like that, the auction, you know, if you're, maybe that's something you want to attend to. Yeah, even if you're not selling the auction, something funded. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually never make it to the auction because I'm guiding snow geese that time of year. But it's it's a good time. Yeah. Make it out there. Check it out. Maybe get you some caster. <laughs> make a bid on that. Um, one of the things I wanted to, there is a membership program um, that people can fill out for the MTA. Um, you know, it's another way to get involved. Yeah, I'd strongly, I can't say enough, I would strongly recommend getting involved. One, for just the knowledge that you'll gain. Um, and then two, it's a great social organization. Some of these some of these guys have known each other 40 plus years, and they look forward to every year coming to the to our state convention and just, you know, chewing the fat with their old buddies. Yeah. The, the people I've met, beyond welcoming, we've got people from every walk of life. Uh, my firefighter buddy lives in Westport, like and he's beyond welcomed and makes a ton of friends of these things um so even if you're like don't be hesitant people are going to welcome you with open arms no matter who you are where you're from and the social aspect is incredible and then just how much you learn just sitting sitting around talking with people watching our demos coming out to a clinic it it can't be beat no amount of youtube is going to do what in-person learning does yeah for sure um yeah the camaraderie sounds like you know with any right go to your duck club or you're sitting in the blind same thing you're out there you're learning trapping together you know you and a few buddies get together and run some traps and you know just make a whole thing of it Mm -hmm. um the other thing i wanted to bring up was the edin alta graph memorial scholarship so it's something mta has on their website um, you can download an application for that. Um, so that's for those pursuing a career in any wildlife field, uh, such as wildlife management, fur bear management, wildlife biology, or law enforcement. Um, the, the deadline for applications is August 1st. Um, so I'm guessing the ones for this year are already done. They'll be picked out, and then next year you have until august 1st it's probably the same every year that's i'm Um, actually the chairman of that committee too Um, there you go we have the guy yeah yeah we and what's nice is we give you we give the the winner just we just cut them a check they can use however they see fit they need to put it towards books a computer housing whatever they can use as they see fit um that's something i i personally really enjoy doing because it gives us a chance to give back we're mm-hmm. you know we're always asking please sign up please donate please this that the other but to actually give something to someone feels right very rewarding and it says they can reapply each year as long as he or she's still pursuing that qualified field so mm-hmm. you know yeah the kid that won this year also won last year but 
it's his last year in school, so he said, you know, it'll be nice to see someone else win it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. But, yeah, there's all sorts of tabs you can, you know, check it out. Um, and also, um, you know, reach out to these folks that are in this field if you have questions about, you know, what's the best way to go about my raccoon thing or um you know reach out and see if you can tag along to learn so oh, you can yeah. get I into love, it i love when people ride along with me yeah why not you go to you casey's know? get a big you know yeah, you know by yourself yeah right <laughs> yeah. so um and you know we offer it's not everything but we're you know we try to keep expanding at the store um you know so we keep building on and we always take everybody's um input like hey i think we should offer this or hey you know have you guys ever thought about handling this product and so we're getting there you know we carry right. the dog proof traps we carry the inventory. the 110s 220s and 330 conibears live cages um the number twos and number threes yep. um coil traps um lots of different scent I don't know how many jars of Hiawatha Valley nasty <laughs> thing we sell. That's pretty loud but, stuff. Oh my gosh. It's good stuff, but you you know it's in the store. They got we have to remind um the factory that we get it from to tape. We pr we need it taped when it comes in. <laughs> one one time it didn't come in taped and the lid's not enough to keep the Really? Smelling it. So we had to put oh, them in baggies. Loud. It is gross. Need a little scent thief. Yeah. <laughs> this is for real. Um, so, yeah, we've got, you know, we've got some anchors. We've got some flushing um, knives or whatever you call them. But it, actually, this year we got some kits. It's like you can get. Oh, those are. It's only like 125 bucks. You get like everything you need. Um, yeah, you know, to th get those started. Are great to get started. Yeah, with. your anchors, your traps, your everything. So that's kind of cool too. Um, I'm still learning all the different scents. You know, you could. There's so much out there if you really want to get into it deep. Yeah, it's it, like, and th that's another thing. It can seem overwhelming because there's a, every sort of gadget and gizmo you can imagine. Ask somebody, do I really need this? A lot of times they'll tell you what you do don't need right yeah save you some money save you some trial and error and you start small right you just build into it mm -hmm. like even you were alluding to doing that like just starting with a live cage and then you just start moving up and pretty soon you get some dog proofs and and then all of a sudden you're running snares or kind of bears and yeah yeah i love yeah, it yeah it builds up i mean every year you buy a couple traps next thing you know you got a garage full old ladies yelling at you about storage and yeah the wife doesn't she wants to make sure that hiawatha valley you're in you got your trap and oh. fridge about <laughs> block over from the house <laughs> yeah yeah she'll be keeping that like stuff that. next to the milk <laughs> it goes in the beer fridge yeah and even then you uh, it's coming to the store. I'll open it, put a jar for you. I'm good. <laughs> It'd be it's really good. Yeah, so it's super exciting. Like, it makes me want to do it. Oh, I mean, for it's, sure. Like, there, there's nothing like coming. It's that out. time. Yeah, it's the checking it. You know, and finding mm -hmm. that time. Yeah, I mean, like anything, you can make time. Believe it or sure. not. Sure. 
But I mean, there's the adrenaline rush you get, like if you come over that hill and you see a coyote in your trap, or oh. or when you look into that creek and there's an otter waiting for you. I mean, that rush is out of this world, oh, especially that's your first crazy. one. Yeah. So how fast can you skin a coon? If I'm moving, uh, probably about three minutes. Fleshed like, or just skinned? Just skinned. If I, yeah, just peeling it. If I'm scraping it, add another scraping it and putting it on a board. That's probably another five to ten minutes. So under ten minutes, skinned and fleshed. No, no, no. That's on top. So probably about fifteen minutes from on the carcass to on the board. Gotcha. And that my, that's if I'm really moving. Mm-hmm. I'm a you got a little right spot now. next to the house. You got your little skin I've, and shack. I've got a garage right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Eventually we'll upsize to a whole fur shed. Gotcha. Do you live in town or out in the country there? I'm in town. Uh-huh. Welcome to the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking over there. Well, no, when I was living in the city, you should have seen the looks I got. Oh, I bet it was wild. Carrying man. a coyote into the garage. People thought it was someone's German Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. So we need to uh, hopefully we'll get some people reach out to you all and um, and join in on the fun. Trapping season, what's the typical date for? Um, well, on private land right now, coon, possum, and skunk are open using foot using uh, dog proofs and cage traps. But like real deal trapping season, that starts November fifteenth. November fifteenth. It's around the corner. It's going to be oh, here yeah. soon. You better start coming in and getting your supplies. <laughs> when season hits, be rocking and rolling. Um, yeah, so reach out to Trevor if you got questions. Check out the MTA's website. Um, or if you have a problem, maybe you don't want to get into trapping, but you do have a problem or you need some some help, you know, with coyotes, bobcats, coons, something like that. You need a trapper, like we said, reach out see if they can't uh, help you out with that um, check out that scholarship if you're in in that field and uh, uh, hopefully everybody enjoys the season and and uh, if you really want to get into it I would suggest attending some of these seminars because at least the videos and stuff like I think that would be the ticket oh, yeah. just get hands-on experience learning you know it's not just some generic seminar so that'd be super cool um, to check it out but yeah it's right around the corner so um, but yeah I appreciate it and um, you know talking a little bit trapping and you know something I'm interested in I just never really dove into it but it's super neat to mess with the traps anyways yeah come out this season I'll, yeah. I'll save a spot in the truck I need to hop in the truck and go grab some cases and go try <laughs> it out yeah yep I'm going to take you up on that. Yeah, please do. Thanks for so, having me. Yeah, I appreciate you reaching out to us. And uh, um, until next time, um, check us out on our uh, Router Sporting Goods YouTube page. Make sure you like and subscribe and all the other fun stuff, Josh, and Facebook and all sorts of videos. And, and hit us up if there's something you want us to talk about, too, you know something out there you're interested in or you got questions or we'll find the time me and josh will debate each other on something throw some <laughs> stuff out there and get some get some hot takes yeah so yeah 
But I appreciate everybody listening. Until next time, we will see you later. Thank you very much.